Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast with me, your host, Chris Target. This podcast is for mortgage brokers and estate agents who are looking to grow their online presence through social media. I'll share tips, best practices, and useful tools that will help you save time and ultimately expand your business. Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast. Today, I have Ben Moore, or you may know him as the one with a beard from EXP. So Ben's gone from selling broadband door to door to becoming one of the biggest estate agents in the UK under EXP to now retiring. And this isn't a video podcast. I'm I'm holding up the inverted commas, retiring to focus on helping other estate agents grow their business. So I'm going to get into that and what that means to him. You'll probably have seen Ben all over LinkedIn with his professional and polished property videos. And he's going big on Instagram now as well. He's always got a positive outlook and he really simplifies what it means to become a successful estate agent. So we're going to get a few tips from Ben on the podcast about how you can win more instructions by using social media, but also talking about some traditional marketing um, efforts that he's done in the past, maybe for EXP that he works under or for, for another company that he's worked for. So I'm looking forward to getting into that. So Ben, I've known for about two years now, and we just got chatting on LinkedIn. Um, we speak probably two or three times a week now. And whenever we have a chat, I always come off the call really motivated to do more business. And I really hope that people get exactly the same feeling from this. So I'm actually really excited for people to listen in to what we talk about, because we have these phone calls and nobody ever nobody ever has the ability to listen in to what we're talking about. So I'm looking forward to this. So Ben. Without further ado, I introduce you to the Social for Brokers podcast. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Thanks for having me. That was one hell of an introduction, Christopher. I might just come on so I can hear that again. I'm glad that this is recorded. <laughs> I remember going on your podcast probably last year and having one of these introductions. So I thought, right, I cannot let him down on this. I'm going to have to, have to big him up on this one. But every word I mean. You definitely didn't let me down on that one. It makes me sound a lot better and more impressive than what I am in reality, but I'll take it and run. So thank you for that, Chris. No worries. Glad to have you on, mate. And I am genuinely excited for people to listen in to what we talk about because, especially lockdown last year, we would have these type of conversations you're about to hear probably once a week, wasn't it? And they'd last for, I remember sitting in the back garden for like two hours on the phone to you, speaking about how we can grow business, what we do, we haven't had one of these for a while, have we? We've not, mate. We've not. But you're dead right, mate. It's, uh, you know, everything kind of with all the whirlwind that we've all been through over the last year, 18 months with COVID, you know, it's difficult. You lose grasp on who you've spoke to and when. It's just been such a whirlwind of emotions in business and in the personal life as well. But yeah, casting my mind back now, mate, we did have some good brainstorms and I think it's always good to wear things. And the one the one element of business that really sort of excites me is that startup phase. You know, when you're bringing an idea from concept to reality. And obviously back then we was both in our infancies really in launching our businesses and you was planning your social media business that obviously you're running today. So yeah, I could have those conversations all day. It really gets the juices flowing, mate. Awesome, mate. And that's where I want to start, really, because it, it's you work for EXP now. You're an estate agent under that brand, but you've got quite a colourful estate agency background, haven't you? Tell us how you've got to today. Sure. So starting right back from my first agency job. or Well, yeah, so, so you started knocking doors. That's where you learned to sell, wasn't it, in terms of... Work? basic? Yeah, basically, mate. So a bit of a snapshot overview without going into 
boring granular level details that are going to make people switch off uh, my background was all health and fitness it was sports nutrition exercise science is where I got my degree and uh, when I was at university I quickly realized that all the tequila and baked beans and pasta shells needed to be paid for so uh, the student loan wasn't quite cutting it so I got myself out there just in um, a random job that I stumbled across which was doing door-to-door sales and um, naively thought I might be a bit all right at that I'll give it a crack and see how we go it was commission only uh, no basic salary and it was literally going door-to-door trying to sell telecoms you know home phone and broadband to people who already had home phone and broadband so it was a tough gig it was character building to say the least um got chased out of more gardens than I care to remember um but you know it's it, it gives you a thick skin and it really taught me um about the power of numbers really about the law of averages and what it's like to be in sales so I did that for, for a spell through university to kind of pay my way and then when I came back I went living at my mum's house and as much as I love my mum to bits um we clash when we're under the same roof for too long so I quickly started looking for an alternate job at that point to kind of get me my own property and and you know kind of fly the nest again and uh, again just stumbled into sales you know there was an estate agent local to me that was looking for graduate um recruits at that time I'd just got my degree so I thought I'll stick my CV in here and see how far we get um there was local to me Thankfully, they gave me a job uh, and I went in there as, as an apprentice. So basically a glorified tea boy uh, making the tea and coffee. But effectively, I, I worked in this. Um, it was what we now refer to as a hybrid agency. So they had a head office in Manchester, but then they had a network of agents all over the country. And uh, I was in this melting pot of collaboration. I had so many great, talented, forward-thinking, experienced estate agents in one office. So I was just a complete sponge for that period of time, asking questions, you know, learning every single day. So I always think I got a bit of a crash course into the industry in that respect, because I learned a hell of a lot in quite a short period of time. Um, and then again, you know, from there I got from the apprentice role to almost like an assistant manager type position um, and then I left to go to a, a business across town which was a startup going back to what I said a few minutes ago I just love that startup phase when it's all exciting and something's going from paper to reality um, and these guys that I was working with Chris their approach to business was effectively let's just throw some cash at it and let Ben work it out so um, I got <laughs> I got to learn about um the mechanics of what it's like to run an agency, the numbers, um, B2B relationships, how to generate leads, how to navigate social media, all these things that you wouldn't really get the chance to learn about if it was that you was a smaller cog in a bigger machine. So that really opened my eyes to the business behind the business that I loved. And then once I had that education, once I understood that concept, once I had a grasp on numbers and conversions of how to generate leads, how to promote, um, I just fell in love and thought, you know what, I need to back myself. I can do this for my myself and uh, I took out a government back loan um, back then and I started up my first business called Sell Simple Estate Agency back in 2012 and uh, yeah I've not looked back since I've been self-employed pretty much from that day to this Chris. <laughs> and then so so you had this Sell My Simple Estate Agency how, how long did that go for? So Sell Simple, that was called. So um, I joined, when I kicked that off, that was a home-based business. So I had a little flat um, in Bury in Greater Manchester at the time. I ran that from the kitchen, basically. And uh, I was really lucky, Chris, because I started up with nowhere near enough cash. Uh, I was very, like ill-equipped to run that business not to mention it was my first crack at business so it could have went the other way it could have went wrong but it was a roaring success and the reason it was a success was because 
um, one of the first things that I did was started ringing around other businesses, trying to build B2B relationships for this purpose of lead generation. And I found uh, a group of investors in London and their job was to buy property for cash. So they used to deal with distressed sales. You know, someone would make an inquiry to sell the house quick. They'd give away a percentage of the open market value for the benefit of getting the sale through that bit quicker. But one thing that you find in that model is that, well, as you can probably imagine, not many people are willing to give the property away. You know, most people want full market value and quite rightly so. So they were generating thousands of leads every month, but only buying a really small percentage. So I said, well, of the properties that you're not buying, the sellers that you can't get hold of, or the people who haven't got the motivation for go to go for such a low offer, um, why don't you let me have a crack at those people, kind of upcycle it to my estate agency, uh, and I'll see if I can put a plan in place to give them a quick sale, but hopefully at a fuller figure to what you guys are willing to offer. So I just kind of piggybacked on the back of their business, really, of their lead generation efforts. Um, and I had more data than what I could handle, so I got stuck straight into it. I was going all over the country doing appointments. I remember one day I was in Scunthorpe for my you know, my 10 o'clock, then I had a one o'clock in the Lake District. And I was just all over the place, like covering such a wide patch, but just trying to get my name out there and trying to build a business. And uh, yeah, that went great. We did like a profit share on the back end on completion. So it was a really good way for me to put some foundations in place. Uh, and then a long story short, we went into collaboration. They could see it was working. It was rubbing together quite well. Uh, I relocated down to London and uh, we ran the operations from there. We got a new fancy office. We brought in some structure. We got a team, uh, hired some value valuers and uh yeah built, built a little hub for ourselves down in london we grew that to a point where we had maybe 250 or so listings uh, and then i sold my shares exited moved back up north and did the same again in 2015 kicked off my second business uh, with one of my best mates ryan and uh yeah we, we we did the exact same thing again so i'm used to that process of starting up and scaling and exiting businesses which has kind of put me in a good place i guess for what it is that i do today and that i help so many other entrepreneurs do exactly the same thing i didn't well i've known you for two years i didn't know you went down to london and worked with those guys and set up an office and things yeah it was really exciting mate it was a bit of a whirlwind it all happened so fast and that was my first taste How old of business so it, it well, that was that would have been in 2012, so 10 years ago, early 20s, it would have been. Um, so, so not long out of uni, really, when you kind of think back. Um, so that was a real crash course. I'm, I'm just a fan, Chris. And again, I, I've, I've kind of said this on social media before, that at that point in my life, I was young, I was naive, I'd not had too much time served in the industry. I had a couple of years under my belt, but nothing extensive. There was nothing on paper really that qualified me to make that decision. Everything, anyone with half a brain would have said, Ben, it's not the time, you know, don't do it just yet. Wait for better conditions. Wait until you've got more experience. Wait until you've got more cash. And perhaps that would have been a sensible thing to do. But the lessons that I learned and, you know, the people that I met and the information that I soaked up and the money that I made over that period of time just inspired me to go on and do more. I'm a big fan of failing forward and fear regret more than you fear failure so i threw myself in for better or worse and thankfully came through the other side love that i think that's going to be the title of this podcast and i'm going to write that down fear what was it fear regret <laughs> fear regret more than you fear failure regret than you feel that's awesome right there might be some of the there might be some other ones that we drop in this that i could uh, use for the name of the podcast but that's that's a content <laughs> so you've you've done all that you've got all the basics well, the, the foundations of what you've done, and then you became part of EXP, didn't you? So the we'll get into the EXP 
modern how that works but what did you do at exp and what what were you doing on a day-to-day basis Sure. So to to kind of fast forward slightly from where we just left that story, I mentioned that I moved back up north and set up another agency with one of my best friends. We did that for a few years and again, we successfully built and sold and exited that business. But the stars kind of aligned when that venture came to an end in that my uh, partner, Becky, and I found out that we was expecting a little baby. It was very unexpected. It certainly wasn't planned, but the you know one of the best things clearly that's ever happened to me. But we was kind of thinking about selling the business as that news came around. And it just felt like the right thing to do. We randomly got made an offer for the business the same sort of time I found out that Esme would be joining us. And uh, we just sold it. The stars aligned. I got the cash out. And with that, we decided to completely switch area and move from Manchester up to the Fylde Coast, uh, where I live today. Um, we bought a house and became a grown-up. I got a husky, a mortgage, and just became a family man overnight, Chris. Grew um, a beard. What, what I decided to do after grew a beard, yeah, just give up on my appearance completely and uh, started focusing on what really matters, which, which for me at that period in time, Chris was 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 getting to know my little girl. It was spending time, you know, as a dad, really. So for the first time in my whirlwind of a career up until that point, I decided to put my career on hold, Chris, and just just focus on, on being a dad, like I say. And I spent pretty much the best part of Esme's first year alive by her side, which was an incredible privilege. It was nice to take a step back from work, but also invest into that relationship. It's the best thing I ever did. Um, but as you can expect, over a year of paying for mortgages and raising children and putting food on the table from a savings, you know, the child gets bigger in every and this the savings get smaller so we got to a point where Esme was ready to go to nursery and I was in a position where I needed to really decide what the next step in my career looked like and at this point Chris I'm an open book with everything and, and I had about 11 grand behind me which is a chunk of cash but when you're setting up an estate agency business and you've got CRMs and tech and advertising and portal costs and all that kind of stuff it doesn't really get you out of first gear but again going back to the bed in 2012 what's the worst that can happen I'll learn from the mistakes I'll fail forward and worry about the rest later so I decided to put my 11 grand into starting my own business and uh, we got to a good start you know we hit some conversions we got some listings got some nice content sold some properties but effectively before that started to wash through into funds in the bank we ran out of cash i'd just done done my conkers basically we had no more money so before we really got the wheels properly turning uh, we ran out of capital we had to come back with my tail between my legs and i guess that was a failure in that respect i went back to a minimum wage job to pay the bills i was working back in a gym cleaning treadmills and squash courts um I just felt a bit lost in my career. I'd done the last of my savings on the business that didn't work out. And I wouldn't say, you know, I was I was depressed or anything because, you know, thankfully I've, I've never struggled with my mental health. Um, but that's probably about as down and as lost as I've ever been in my career. Just pure and simply because I, I lacked direction. I had a small, you know, well, three small people at this point looking up to me. And uh, I was working shift work. I was out of the house at 5 a.m. Some days not getting back till gone midnight. Um didn't have the work-life balance right, wasn't spending time with my children, which given the first year that I had the luxury of spending time with them all the time, was really tough to accept. And then when EXP came around, just to kind of get to your question, Chris, I just wanted to kind of layer that context. When EXP came around, I spoke to Adam Day, who's the expansion director for the UK market. And he explained the model in terms of the mission, the vision, what they wanted to achieve. But ultimately, I was looking at it very selfishly in terms of trying to work out, well, how can this benefit me? I've got a family to provide for. I've not got a lot of cash. How is this going to work? And uh, effectively, they just completely lowered the financial barrier to entry for me to start. So by this point, 
obviously I've had three businesses. I've funded it myself. I've paid in some cases, well into five figures a month to fund office and structure and staff and portal costs and all that kind of stuff. And I was getting that core structure with the XP for 150 quid a month. So my mind was just blowing. I was almost looking for the catch, but the way that I saw it, back then was that it allowed me the opportunity to get back on the saddle that I fell off 12 months before, but without any risk at all, without needing franchise fees or heavy upfront fees or without having to fund 12 months worth of overhead before I've even sold a house. So for me, it was a real no-brainer moment. The penny just dropped. And again, going back to that ethos of what's the worst that can happen, I'm going to fail forward. I want to fear you know, I don't want to, I, I, I fear regret more than I fear failure. I thought, well, let's give it a go. The early stages, let's see if we can make this work. And obviously I'm glad to say that I did. And, uh, you know, it's been a great success. And you, so you went hard in on the estate agency for a few years, didn't you? And and you kind of made a name for yourself in the local, a good name, didn't make a name for himself, the one with the beard, that weirdo that walks around with a video camera, but you, <laughs> you've logged it. You, to me, Looking from the outside in, before I knew you, you were the first one to do property video tours with you in them. Now, that's common practice now for estate agents. You were the first one to do it. How, how did you come up with that idea? So the, the kind of um, the methodology behind that, if you will, mate, was going back to what I mentioned earlier, in between um, the failure that I had in business and then going up with the XP, I went back into a minimum wage job. I mentioned I was cleaning treadmills, I was on the gym floor, cleaning squash courts, working reception, all that kind of stuff. But in between my cleaning duties, I was doing a bit of personal training. And uh, when I was back in the fitness space, I was looking at other successful personal trainers. So I was looking up to people like, you know, the obvious one's going to be Joe Wicks, the body coach. Um, but other people besides, there's a guy called James Smith, a guy called Darren Cartel, a guy called Brian Keane. Um, you know, all these people who've made a success of their fitness business by leveraging social media, but specifically by leveraging video. These guys have amassed a following, but more than just a following, they've built communities around them and their, miss their, their mission and their vision and, and their style and their narrative and their belief system. And I found that these guys being so consistent with video output really sort of allowed them to build a, a community of people who they could help, who they could serve and build a great business off of the back of that. And when I looked over into property, where I decided that I was going to transition back into a estate agency, I just didn't see anyone doing anything with video whatsoever. So when I kind of came back into it, I knew that I had to make video a cornerstone of our approach. It had to be a big part of our strategy because when you really think about it, Chris, you take a bit of a holistic view of the industry. You know, the one thing that British people love talking about after the weather is property. They love property. They love learning about people. And effectively, that's our subject matter. So in a state agency, we're incredibly spoiled that we've got this incredible subject matter that we can talk about, this narrative that we can build, these insights that we can share to tell a story and to endear an audience. And no one's taking advantage of that or leveraging that in any way, shape or form. So when I came over, I thought, well, I need to change that. I need to be the first guy to embrace video and to put myself out there to build my brand, but also give the audience access. So that's why I decided to run uh, with video. But going back to what you said specifically about the high production piece, not everything that I do is polished. Not everything that I do is high production and edited. I do a lot of my mobile phone as well. But when I'm selling a house, I'll bring like a camera crew around. Michael, my videographer, so talented, you know, he'll do all the production and the tunes and the editing and the transitions between scenes. He's the one who does, you know, all the fancy work really 
to make the products that you see on social media. But effectively, I thought a lot of estate agents are selling houses the same way that you'd sell a second-hand pair of trainers on Facebook Marketplace. It's just a couple of average pictures, uh, a description that's got no thought. You're sticking it out there and hoping that someone buys it. And don't get me wrong, every now and then that works. You get the right buyer at the right time and, it, and, and the job's done. But we're dealing with someone's house here. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's an asset that's worth six, seven, eight figures in some cases. It's something that's got a story to tell. It's been the home to a family for the last however many years or decades. And I thought the property deserves more, the customer deserves more. And out of the back of it, I can probably do more for my business in terms of positioning myself as that guy who can do a great job at marketing homes. And again, that's why we had to... Uh, put a bit of razzmatazz, I guess, around the professional efforts when it came to actually selling. And it's interesting because it, it did set the trend that did and videos become bigger and bigger, but not just videos of properties and COVID's obviously had an impact on that, but the estate agents being in the videos and we'll talk about personal branding a bit, but what do you see next for property advertising? Because everybody's doing videos now. So how do you then set yourself apart from everybody that's doing videos? Well, I think that's where that key comes in, Chris, about making sure that you position yourself as the agent in that video, because whilst the property is, of course, star of the show, let's not get it twisted. As the agent or the presenter who's presenting that home, you are also a co-star of that show. So the reason why I had to put myself full front and center was because as video, you know, we always knew video inevitably at some point would catch on. Five years ago, Chris, a floor plan was nice to have. Now, if there's no floor plan on a listing, people are just losing the shit. It's the same with video. You know, I guess still, it's just one of those things that's nice to have. But in five years time, Chris, it's going to be completely expected by the consumer. Therefore, agents are going to need to deliver it. So as that starts to build and as that becomes more of the norm, the reality is, is that any agent can hire a videographer and any videographer who's got a couple of years served who knows how to navigate the software will be able to knock up a decent video effort you know they can put nice transitions a few filters on there and a nice little backtrack and make you know like a good visual piece for social media that can be completely replicated but the one thing that can't be replicated for anyone's business chris is 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 themselves right so if i'm putting myself or you're putting yourself at the forefront of those video efforts effectively you're future proofing the DNA of your business, you're protecting the USP of your business in yourself. So if someone likes my style, my approach, the way that I present, the way that I deliver on camera, the way that I'm selling that house, quite frankly, it doesn't matter how many estate agents pop up in my market trying to run with the concept of video. There's only one Ben Moore. So if they want that service, they have to come to me which takes fee out the equation. It's a real value add in the customer's eyes, but it's also a great a great magnet for attracting business and bringing people into the top of the funnel. So I think as video evolves, it's down, the focus has to be on the individual or the agency, the branch, whoever it is that's looking to embrace it to really make sure that they're staying on top of the game, that they're standing out in terms of promotion and production. They're really leveraging their team and the personalities within the business to excite the customer and to bring people into their ecosystem rather than into the competitions, if that makes sense. I love that you touched there on the personality because that is, I'm a huge believer in personality on social media. You obviously use social media very successfully to do this, but what platforms in the beginning did you find? Well, what's your, what's your most favorite platform at the moment for social media for, for property? So obviously my, uh, the, the, uh, the, the goals of my business, I guess, and what I'm looking for from social media has changed somewhat over the last three, four, five months. So the platforms that I prefer to use 
will always depend really on the audience that I'm trying to reach out to okay, and so what the goal is. We say an estate agent, what platform would you say is the best one to use for leads? Because I think what we we watch the likes of Gary V and we watch all these people that are huge on social and they've got the videographers and they're putting stuff on TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. And I think a lot of people sit there and go, whoa, I haven't got the time to do that. So if you were to pick one platform that you went all in on for six months, what would you do? Which one would you go for? It'd be Facebook, I think is the honest answer, Chris. Yeah, it'd be Facebook. And that's not to say that the other places, you know, they, they don't, don't have the place. Of course they do. But but Facebook for me was huge. And I see it with a lot of our partners at EXP. You know, it's, it's incredibly powerful. Um, you know, you, you can make it hyper-local for a start. So, you know, you've got access to community groups, which effectively is free marketing. Obviously, you're treading a bit of a line because some groups have different guidelines and rules. Some groups won't let you share in as a business or mention your business. Some are slightly more relaxed, but whether it's a community group, a chat group, a support forum, whether it's a buy and sell group or whatever it is, you know, you've still got anywhere from a few thousand to 30, 40, 50,000 local eyeballs attached to that group. So if you're sharing your content, sharing your uh, value, you sharing your insights your market updates whatever it is that you're running with on that platform that's a great funnel if you will for you to be able to capture a local audience and bring those people over to your channel and then effectively they, they, they come as followers but they leave as fans if that makes sense you get to nurture those people over time uh, build a relationship with those people and then you whenever their impact on their sphere of influence whenever they want to sell or they've got, uh, you know, someone in their network, a friend, a family member, a colleague, whoever it is that's looking to use an agent. If you've been adding value in that person's mind's eye for the last six months, your name's going to be at the tip of their tongue, which puts you in a great position to capitalize on that business down the line. So social media, like everything in life, you know, is, is a long-term strategy. Success doesn't always come quick and easy. It doesn't happen overnight. But I think as long as you're consistent, as long as you're adding that value, as long as you're leading with some kind of quality to make you stand out, for me, content marketing and social media is just such an incredible tool that not a lot of businesses use. And the reason why Christmas, yeah, the reason why businesses don't use it, Chris, is because it's not quick. We want quick results. We want to know, well, if I put a thousand quid into this, what return am I going to get? And I, I understand that. And that's why in the past, I've always run my businesses from PPC campaigns, from Google ads, through Facebook ads, but nothing converts quite like somebody who completely gets you they understand you they've already bought into you it makes for a more enjoyable experience better conversions and to be honest chris better fees um so facebook was massive for us so there's two things i want to pick up on well there's three things i want to pick up on the first one is value when you're adding value on social media what do you mean by adding value to your customers or to, sorry to your followers on social so the way that i look at this i was on a podcast last year um and it was specifically about content marketing. So I knew that they was going to ask me a question similar to the one that you've just did. So I was walking my dog that morning and I thought, well, I understand what I'm trying to achieve from social media because I'm doing it every day, but how do I articulate this to somebody else? Like, how do I get my point across? And the analogy that I came up with, Chris, was uh, this dartboard concept. So I promise I'm going to get to the point of answering your question, but let me explain this. So if you imagine a dartboard, right? And if we say that your business, your message, your service, your mission is bang in the middle on the bullseye. Now, if you imagine that you've got a ring coming out of that bullseye right to the outer rim of the board, and 
everywhere within all those tiers on that board is your audience. Basically, it's people in your market, it's potential customers. Now, the closer they are to the bullseye, the more they need a service or product like you're trying to offer or sell. So in this case of estate agency, to keep this specific to what I do, you know, people who are on the ball or one or two rings removed from the bullseye, these might be people who are on the market unsuccessfully with a competing agent. They might be disgruntled, motivation might be high, they're disillusioned with the process, they're not getting the service that was promised from the agent, they're looking for an alternate solution, they've got a pain point that we can fix today, or else it might be someone who's in the stages of inviting people out. Either way, they're ready to instruct. Um, so with these kinds of people, the content that's going to resonate with them is things like two reasons why your house hasn't sold, three things that you need to ask an estate agent, the one thing you need to know to maximize the sale price of your home. That kind of content is right on the button for what they want to hear and what they need to see. So they're probably going to click in and you're going to get a better buy-in from that consumer as a result. But all the while, whilst that's great content for that avatar, you've still got people cruising around the double 20 on the outside of the board who have got no idea that they're going to get offered a promotion in six months or that the wife's cheating on them and they're going to find out in three months and they're going to need to upsize or downsize or move across the country. They don't know they need an estate agent yet, so they've got no interest in three things you need to ask an estate agent or the one reason why your house isn't selling because that's not applicable to them. They're not going to get any value from it. But what these guys might be interested in seeing, Chris, is maybe some business insights, maybe some behind the scenes, maybe uh, seeing what goes on behind a video shoot or an interview with the local cafe owner where they've been getting the flat whites for the last two years. You know, this, this kind of broader content, which isn't necessarily anything to do with selling your house right here, right now, that's going to light a spark in their mind. It's going to capture their attention you're going to win their heads. And then again, as long as they're building into that over a period of time, by the time they find out about the promotion or the separate or the triplets or whatever it is, you've already put that groundwork in and built that relationship. So by the time they're on the bullseye, you're ready to capitalize and it's almost like it's yours to lose by that point. So it's difficult to answer in a one-dimensional way what good right, content looks like and what value looks difficult like. difficult to answer because you have just literally summed up a whole content model. That's one of the best analogies I've heard in terms of content because almost you're throwing your darts out there and you're putting that content out there, that dart can't hit the people near the bullseye and the people outside it. That's why you need exactly. that diversity of content. I was just sat here, on a, not on video, but I'm just sat here smiling, nodding, thinking this is phenomenal. That is the perfect way. You need to throw 20 darts out there. That's why you can't put one post out with one dart and expect to appeal to everybody, it's impossible. Exactly. And the mistake that a lot of businesses make is that they're always going for that bullseye. And fair enough, it's 50 points if you hit the bullseye. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But, but at the end of the day, that means that you're neglecting everything else out there and you're almost alienating the rest of your market who otherwise you could be inspiring, you could be creating some sort of intrigue with to bring them into your ecosystem. So I think sometimes it pays to just have that holistic view of your strategy of what you want to achieve, of who you're trying to connect with um, and diversify accordingly. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I think in a fight, you need to throw punches or you're going to get knocked out. It's the same with social media, right? I love the way in terms of the, the content that you put out there. So when you say, what does value mean on social media? It can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, can't it? It Correct. might be that people on the outer ball at the outer ring need to see five of your posts with local business owners, properties that you sold in a steep peak. 
Whereas the people that are near the bullseye might just need one post to say, fed up of your agent, bang, you've hit them. They only need one post. And that's why, how many times would you recommend posting per week on social? Well, I think with this, Chris, and you know, you're probably a better position than I. I am really to answer that question because now we're kind of coming out of estate agency and crossing into, into your world. But for me, I think that management of expectations is of your own expectations is key because I think setting yourself up for a fall is bad for business. So let's liken this to fitness, let's just say, because I'm going through a transition of trying to lose my dad belly at the minute, my dad bod. Uh, if I tell myself that I'm going to train like an Olympic athlete, I'm going to go in a massive calorie deficit, I'm going to swap pizzas for salad, I'm going to train three or four times a day and go hell for leather. I'll keep that up for a fortnight, Chris. It'll become too much too quick. Um, and, and I'll set myself up for a fall. I'll give up. I won't be consistent with it. I'll feel like I've failed. It'll give me some negative reinforcement. I'll feel like I'm never going to get rid of the shape that I'm in. I'm never going to get fitter, never going to lean down. And as a result, you know, in two weeks time, I'll be back in the Domino's pizza menu again. Whereas if I go to the gym three or four times a week at a moderate pace, tidy up my diet, eat a bit less chocolate, I'll, I'll be much more consistent and probably adhere to it over a longer period of time and I'll achieve my goal. Same with social media. Don't be so excited about, do be excited about running your business, but don't come out thinking, now I'm going to smash Facebook. Now I'm going to kill Instagram. Now I'm all over Snapchat and I'm going to post five videos a day for the next three weeks because if that's not sustainable based on your capabilities based on uh, your schedule, based on your priorities and other things that you need to do and manage as part of being a business owner. Ultimately, you're going to set yourself up for a fall and you'll end up going from 100 to zero. So for me, I think it's about find a schedule that you can adhere to, that you can be consistent with, that you can do over time and continue to feed into and drop content on because like anything, it's a very vanilla response, but consistency always wins the day. Um, so have that, have that bigger picture thinking but for me the magic spot the sweet spot was always that I'd aim to do at least one post a day now if the mood took me if I had a wave of inspiration if something happened in my day that I wanted to share and it was a sporadic piece that might be two three or four posts in one day but as a minimum if I did one post a day I'd be happy and I felt as though that was enough to keep me relevant to keep at the forefront of people's minds to make sure that if someone drops onto my social media there's something recent for them to watch and buy into so they can see that i'm there i'm active and i'm ready to be contacted obviously one one post a day is huge isn't it if you can get one post a day that's great facebook recommend the minimum is, is three three per week so if you are starting out in the estate agency business try and get three and you don't have to do it in real time Use the likes of like a website called buffer.com, which is B-U-F-F-E-R. What you can do with Buffer, you can add three social media accounts to it and you can post, schedule up to 10 posts on there pre-scheduled. So you could do that on a Sunday night and do two weeks worth of content. I'm not saying do that every week because what you'll tend to find, it will just become a bit samey. But what you, what you can end up doing is building up like a portfolio of different, content that keeps it fresh then there might be one week you're a bit quieter you could do some ad hoc posts uh, but have a look at buffer it's a great tool have a look at and that's the 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 sentiment of what you said there as well that's applicable for video so we've just spent a long time talking about the importance of video and how it's helped me in my business but there are people out there thinking I'm crap at video I don't know what to say I'm very awkward on camera Uh, I'm not comfortable you know 
I felt exactly the same. I'm sure everyone who's ever done anything new, you know, it's scary and you're very unsure on the outset. But like you've just said, you know, sit down on a Sunday, schedule your posts, sit down on a Sunday and, and churn out your videos. I used to get like three or four different shirts or T-shirts and just swap it from one video to the next. I'd sit there on Sunday and do like a little stint of creating content. So I'd sit in front of my fireplace 12 till three on a Sunday, crack out as many five, six minute videos as I could. And what I found, Chris, it was because I was doing it, you know, the, the first few videos would be very awful and flaky and a bit shaky and not the rest. But as I started to warm up, as I started to get used to it, it was fewer takes that were needed and my delivery was a lot stronger. So by the time it got to five to three, you can bet your bottom dollar that that final video was a hell of a lot better than the one that I did, you know, when I first turned on the camera. So I think that's a good way to kind of um, remove the barrier to entry, remove the excuses for not doing it. If you've got a little bank of content that you can you can dip into when you need, you've almost got you know, two, three, four weeks worth of content from one day's worth of effort. So that, that's another good way to do it, to keep up with keep up with your schedule. Talking about content that we're putting out, so you might do an informative video like that. If you are new to social media, I'll give you a challenge to try and upload three a week to start with. You could upload one customer testimonial, one video or informative post, and then do one personal post as well. That Those will get you results on social media. There's no two ways about it, whether using Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram probably recommend Instagram or, or Facebook on that front, but one testimonial um, could be a character testimonial about how good you are or somebody's dealt with you before a person, a video, if you can upload a bit of an informative video about the market, how best and final offers are working at the moment. That's a big thing. And then the third one, do a personal one. And a lot of people come to me and say, well, Chris, why would I talk about what I'm having for dinner? Or why would I talk about what coffee I drink? And this next story is going to tell you exactly why you need to upload personal, because I use this story that Ben told on pretty much every podcast that I go on to. So if somebody came up to you and said, why upload personal content about what coffee you drink? Why should you do it, Ben? And, and what effect have you seen? What's the story? <laughs> so specific to the coffee question, obviously, I know the thread that you're pulling out there, mate. This is what we spoke about. I think maybe even on my podcast, was it like a, yeah. a year or two ago? Well, whenever we, whenever we first spoke about it. But um, for those of you that aren't familiar, um, what Chris is getting at is that um, the way that I use my social media channels is that on Instagram stories, I always view that in my own mind as a bit of a backdoor access into my business, into my life. So for example, you know, today, let's just say I've been on Instagram stories and posting silly clips of me in the changing rooms. I've just bought a suit for a wedding that I'm going to this weekend. Might be a picture of me sat in Costa having a flat white or whatever it is. It's just a bit of a behind the scenes tongue-in-cheek access into who I am as a person, not necessarily a businessman. Just gives people the access. Now, I got called out to evaluation one time, and this lady was, was lovely. She'd been following us on Facebook and Instagram for a little while, um, and she was engaged enough that when she reached out, I recognized the name. So there was that basis of familiarity because I'd seen her come up with my engagement. Uh, anyway, I went around to value this house. And uh, I walked in and uh, I went into the living room and there was a cup of coffee waiting there with two sugars. And she had, uh, I think it was a Twix that she got me because she'd noticed on Instagram a couple of weeks before I took a picture of a Twix because I fancied a Twix one day. So I'd gone in and it was almost like greeting like a mum or an old friend or, you know, someone that I knew, someone that I was familiar with she'd paid that much attention to my content. She knew exactly how I took my coffee. So by the time I sat on that sofa, it was, you know, there was no corporate barrier. There was no awkwardness of you're the prospect, I'm the salesman, and I'm here 
to get an outcome from this appointment. It wasn't like that at all. And that was the first example of me witnessing firsthand the power of content marketing, Chris. Now, fast forward to today, because since we had that conversation, I've done a... Are you allowed to swear on this podcast, Chris? Yeah, if you want. Yeah, go for it, mate. <laughs> so, so since then, I've done a fuck ton of valuations. <laughs> I'm not, it, it didn't feel like it was completely necessary now, but in the moment it felt like I was going to swear, but when you've got to clarify, it doesn't have the same impact, but I've done a load of valuations uh, since that one. And uh, what I will say is now with the benefit of hindsight, it's like night and day, you know, I can tell straight away when a customer knows us, when they're aware of us, when they've been following the content, when they've been on my Instagram stories and seeing the silly videos of me trying on a suit in Moss Brothers or whatever it is, versus someone who just happened to walk across a soul sign when they was walking the dog to the park. And they've just rang me as a matter of process because I'm one of three agents who's selling locally. The appointments are like night and day. And what I would would say is that with the former when they've got that basis of familiarity when they know who I am they're asking about my kids they're asking about uh, Benji's football at the weekend uh, they're asking about how my walk was in the Lake District on Sunday uh, you know it's, it's, it's this there's, there's no sales there's no presentation there's no formality to it it's just talking very openly and authentic and the same as you and I are now Chris because we're friends it's the exact same dynamic um, and when you're in that situation a it's more enjoyable for everyone the customer gets a better version of you because you're totally relaxed you turn up in a better capacity because you're relaxed and again the instruction becomes yours to lose and because they've built that value in Ben as the person or Chris as the person rather than ABC Estates as a company, um, it means that, you know, things like contract terms and fees and all that sort of stuff, it couldn't be any less important because they've bought into the relationship, which is the most important thing in a service-driven sector. Uh, whereas with the other, when someone's just rang you out as a matter of process because they stumbled across you on Google or because they've seen a sign, you know, that the other bits and pieces, the formalities of contracts and fees, you know, is important to people because they're just putting you side by side as one of three agents rather than the only agent that they're going to use. Uh, and it makes a massive difference. That's the difference. That's what you want to position yourself as the only agent you're going to use rather than the one of the three that they're going to use. And, and those can be very different, can't they? Absolutely, in, mate. In terms of Instagram stories, I want to touch on this because, yeah, Facebook, that's where I'd start. If I was starting a new estate agency, I'd use Facebook straight away. As you get into Instagram and Instagram stories, don't think ever, and, and you'll agree me on this, don't ever think something is too boring to upload to social media because you uploading writing property details or drawing a floor plan or even stapling together some documents, something as simple as that, some people will find interesting. If you're like me, say if I was buying uh, a new camera, I'd look at everything about cameras. I'd watch some YouTube videos about it. I'd get so engrossed for those couple of months before I bought it. That would be my life. And that's the same thing in terms of like my mum and dad are selling their property, going to be selling their property soon. Everything is about property at the minute. They're looking at properties. They're on Rightmove. They're on Zoopla. That's their life. They're on, they're, they're on, because they're on the bullseye, Chris. Yeah, exactly. they're, on the, they're, on, they're, on, they're on the bullseye at the minute. Like there was double 20s 12 months ago. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying you need to be uploading that behind the scenes content. If you're going to use Instagram stories, it's a great tool to be able to do it. You might think it's boring, but actually it's of some value to somebody that's looking at your content. Exactly. And people are nosy. Like they want to know how. Yeah. Like, you know, 100%, mate. Like it, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because you, we look at our. Um, 
our habits as consumers, right? Take business out of it and just look at you as an individual. What do you enjoy watching? What content are you consuming? How are you learning about other brands that are marketing to you, whether you realize it or not? And, you know, a lot of us watch things like Love Island and we'll look behind the scenes of Joe, Joe Wicks doing a workout on YouTube and just having that access yeah. and getting to discover people and learn about people and learn about what's going on outside of what you generally would know about that business or that sector. It's fascinating for people because we're curious creatures. So feed that curiosity. And as you're feeding that curiosity, you're building bridges and bringing again, people into your ecosystem. And I've said ecosystem about a hundred times in this podcast so far, but effectively that's exactly what you're doing. You're bringing them into your sphere. You're educating them. You're and demonstrating the, value. The great thing is, especially with estate agents, I've seen this with good, good friend of mine, Sam Sarone. She will bring people into her ecosystem when they're looking to sell, but she's that good on social, which you're probably exactly the same. Those people never leave the ecosystem. They're involved. They want to see her journey. They want to see her business grow. They want to see what the member of staff Liz is doing with the business, what she's doing inside it. They've bought into her company because they wanted to sell the house, but they've actually stayed because they're friends of the company now. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. And Sam's an amazing example. And, and Sam's someone, you know, who I'm fortunate enough to be in business with. You know, I'm, she's partnered with us here at EXP. And she's the person, you know, I, I'm the person, sorry, who first taught her about EXP and, and brought her into the model. And I remember when I was speaking to her in the early stages, she was like, oh, I love what you're doing on social media. And Chris has sent me over a few of your videos and I could never do it. I could never do that. Look at her social media now, Chris. Jesus Christ. But the thing is, she started to see results. It, it does take six months to get to that point to really start getting noticed. And 12 months down the line now, she's taken what you're doing and, and just taken it to the next level as well. She has, mate. She does so, 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 so well. And that's, you know, it's not because... I've done well because I'm amazing and I'm special. It's not because Sam's amazing and Sam's special. It's because we've both had consistent output. We're throwing more punches. So yeah. you're going to land more. Do you know what I mean? It's as simple as that. The mistake that people get, again, going back to what we mentioned a few minutes ago, Chris, it's the consistency piece because and we're all in, I'm the king of impatient. If I want something, yeah. I want it now. Like I'm Amazon Prime's best customer. Like I need it like this second. And in business, it's no different. You know, you decide you want to build an estate agency or a mortgage brokerage, let's just say for maybe the other side of the audience who, who, who tune into this podcast, Chris, you know, you want customers now, you want deals now, you want to get the underwriting done, you want to get the fancy videos done, you want to get the house on the market, get the mortgage approved, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, we, it, there's nothing sexy about waiting a long period of time for your hard work today to pay off. But it's just like sowing seeds, right? You know, you, you sow your seeds, you water them, you put a bit of sunshine on it. In six months, you've got more crops than you can ever, ever that farm, you know. That leads me perfectly to a question I did want to ask. How long do you spend on social media every day from a business point of view then? Quite a while now, to be honest, Chris, probably longer than I'd care to admit. I've got, a, I recently got a new iPhone and um, you know, it gives you your screen usage, like how yeah, much time you've been spending on your... it when it comes up. Oh, <laughs> God, mate, it, it is embarrassing. And it's like, you're up by 15%. And then I'm thinking, oh my God, that's awful get off your phone then i'm thinking actually that's great it must mean that i'm working harder um but social media you know for me it's it's part of my business it's part of my lifestyle it's not just that i'm on there you know gormlessly absorbing content and watching you know wishing the day away but i spend a fair amount of time on it but for me a big 
part of what I do is I'm, I'm looking for inspiration. I'm trying to, you know, I'm thinking of content ideas. I'm trying to think of how I can add value. The, the avatar that I serve now, more so than buyers and sellers, is business people. It's entrepreneurs. It's other estate agents looking to start their business journey. So I'm trying to think about how can I add value to them? What would I want to know if I was in that situation? What fears, what concerns have they got? Totally, completely the same thing to what I was doing in estate agency, just with a different narrative. So, um yeah, I spend a bit of time on socials. I spend a bit of time planning. Obviously, me and you have hooked up recently, so we're working together on strategy. So that's definitely helped um, in terms of buying me back some time and not having to worry about artwork and things like that. So I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to create leverage, but I do spend a lot of time um, with content and, and speaking to people via socials. It's something you can't, you can't just set your three posts every week to go off and expect people to come to you with leads. You need to be involved in it every day. I would say you need to put at least half an hour aside every night to sit on your phone and reply to comments, interact with people, interact with local businesses. I mean, half an hour is the bare minimum, I would say. How long were you sitting there interacting on your phone when you were doing the estate agency side? A long time, mate. I'd say a good couple of hours a day, uh, responding to inboxes, comments, um, like going back and liking shares that people had done on our content. Um, same with with LinkedIn. You know, as it, it was kind of strange, really, because there was no strategical reason for me being on LinkedIn once upon a time. I wasn't really that interested in in speaking to other estate agents or helping with the global footprint of EXP. I was very much invested in my business, in my market and selling houses, but I was just posting to LinkedIn as a matter of a process. I kind of enjoyed the, the user experience and, you know, I started getting more agents reaching out to say, oh, well done on that video. Congratulations on that. And how did you do that? And who's your cameraman? Who would you recommend for this? And I just started having conversations open up organic. And at that point, there was no selfish reason or hidden agenda for me engaging with these people. It was just a case of someone's been nice enough to reach out and give me some feedback or ask me a question. I'm not going to be a dick. I'm going to get back to them and help them in any way that I can. So it was just trying to do the right thing. And uh, I think sometimes when you're in the early stages of building your business up, you've got to be a bit unsocial in reality to be social virtually and kind of build those relationships and you know kind of benefit your business and 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 build your reputation i guess it's important that you do have that engagement it's called social media for a reason it's social right yeah you need to be in touch with people and that i just wanted to get across to people how how long you do need to spend interacting with people. You can put your content out, but it's just as important to interact with people, interact with their content as well. Find your local butcher, baker, candlestick maker, comment on their post, share their stuff, do little donations for their charities. They're doing a skydive, slip them a fiver. Yeah. You want your name consistently in that comment section on Facebook. You want people to see your business without having to even follow your business page. That's That would be my, my top tip. Obviously, as you get bigger with social media and it takes longer and longer, how how important or what do you need to start outsourcing in terms of social media, do you think? Well, I mean, uh, I guess it's horses for courses on this, Chris, because, again, you'll know better than me. There are some people, I think the mistake a lot of business owners make is because it's their baby, because they're so passionate, because they love their business, they feel as though they need to do absolutely everything. And I know we've mentioned her name a few times now, but let, I'm not picking on her, but let's just use Sam as a case study. Sam's so passionate about what she does. She's so passionate about performing for the customer. She's so passionate about service standards and selling houses. She always felt that she needed to do everything. You know, recruiting a progressor, someone to do her viewings was just filling her with dread because she could only bring people in who she felt 
could maintain those standards and she was always nervous about outsourcing things because it'd almost be like a plate was dropped and somehow there'd be an inconsistency in the service so i understand that sometimes outsourcing can feel scary but i think when you take more of a measured approach and you take again more of a macro overlook at your business not everyone is amazing at everything right so you might be incredible at dealing with customers and bringing properties onto the market and valuing houses you might be awful with administration you might be terrible at chasing solicitors you might be a nightmare with sales progression you might be a headache on social media you might just not be that way inclined so so for those types of people, I'd say outsourcing your social media, getting an expert in to fix your blind spots is not a cost. It's an incredible investment. And I feel as though when it comes to social media specifically, it's knowing yourself. And, and for me, I don't hate social media. I quite enjoy social media. And it's always important for me that I take care of the captions and I deal with um, all that kind of stuff because I want it to be in my voice but what i am awful with chris is artwork i'm not very creative with visuals i don't understand i understand it but i can't bring to life branding and you know like having continuity of colors and having some sort of like um yeah, like an undercurrent of continuity going through yeah. the visuals of my content. So for me, I've had to outsource that to you because that's not a cost. It's a great investment because by paying you to do it, not only does it get me a better product at the end of it, it's also saving me a hell of a lot of time and frustration in trying to work out Canva or Photoshop. And even then, you know, not only am I investing that time, I'm going to get a substandard product at the end of it. So I think it's important to to look at outsourcing, not just social media, but any part of your business that you're not competent with or that quite simply, Chris, you don't enjoy. Build a business by design yeah. that works for you. And if you're not enjoying it, find someone who does enjoy it, therefore who will do it better and buy you back time in the process. Because I think that's that's the thing in it, mate. We view everything as an expense, as a cost. I can save 100 quid there. I'll save 200 quid there. It's like, well, let's reframe that. It's an investment because by someone giving you back 15 hours a month and not having to piss about with design work. That's 15 hours that you can now spend into nurturing your database, looking after existing customers, selling more houses, being more flexible with your viewing, spending more time with your family, actually enjoying running your business, which is why you set it up in the first place. So I think that reframe is important, but outsourcing social media can be massive and see a lot more people go a lot further, a lot quicker. And I haven't just said that because it's because I help you with the social, but it was one thing that we analyzed at the beginning that you didn't really own a color and i'm a big and anybody can get in touch with me if you listen to this podcast and i can always talk i talk about this all oh, hard sell hard sell <laughs> <laughs> anyone can get in touch with me it's chris that's social because <laughs> i'll sit there and I'll, I'll talk about colors all day long especially for estate agents if you can own a local color and this is what we've done with ben you've got kind of like this aqua blue people don't even have to look at your logo it's been on for sale boards for years and years but for some reason people haven't transferred that onto social and it's the simplest thing you've seen some sale boards up for 20 years you look purple bricks perfect example you go past a purple board you nobody in their right mind would set up an online estate agency with the color purple now because purple yeah. bricks own it and that's what you need to do you need to get a color if you can pick a color that nobody else is really using in your local area and plaster it everywhere, I'm talking business cards, I'm talking cars, if you can, social media content, marketing, get that color out there. That that's a math. If you only take one thing away from this podcast that we've spoken about, because it's something that we've addressed is own your color in your local area. I'm so passionate about that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's massive. And it's um, it's like when me and you first had that conversation when I was kind of consulting with you about the possibility of, of you working with me on my content strategy. Um, I, I just sort of said, like, look, I think the hardest thing about content marketing is having the content ideas and being consistent. Mm-hmm. I'm smashing both of those things. I'm just not owning a colour, but I'm putting the outputs there. I'm just not... I'm just not squeezing all the juice out of the out of the orange. Do you know what I mean? Like it's something that I should be doing. And I remember seeing one of your posts on Instagram stories. I think it was. You just put a picture of a bag rattling around in the wind on the street, and you was like, "What brand do you think of?" Straight away, I was like, "Sainsbury's." Orange. That's it. You're done. That, oh. Yeah, done. Like that's Sainsbury's bag straight away. It might not have been, but the first thing that came into my head was that's a Sainsbury's bag. <laughs> do you know that's what it, I mean? Everything about them is orange, so you need to own the colour, and that's something we're working on. I wasn't. I was going to go a bit more into this podcast, but I think we'll save this for another one. A perfect example: you haven't owned the colour, you've owned the beard. Do you know what I mean? If somebody <laughs> talks about the one with the beard, that's how you've done it. But if you look like a thirteen-year-old boy that hasn't hit puberty yet, like me, and can't grow one, I have to own a colour. That's <laughs> the only way I can. <laughs> do that on another podcast actually i'd like to get you back on and talk about how you've built that personal brand but you were known as the one with the beard and that's exactly the same for me as the owning the color as well so you've done it without even even thinking about it you've built that brand around it um but yeah i could sit here and talk for for hours about social media but we are coming up to the hour mark so i think uh, (laughs) i think i'm going to move on to the strategy question this is one a lot of people message me with because people get so many like different ideas so we're going to pretend that you've moved to the north of Scotland. You've got a laptop, a mobile phone, and an internet connection. What are the few things that you would do to start generating leads? Well, first off, I'd be documenting that process. Um, okay. You know, I, the, the one reg- say, yeah, I guess it is kind of a regret. So when I started off my business, I kind of did this really. So I moved over from Manchester to Blackpool to start my business, right? So it was the same sort of thing, like a new market, no database, no social proof, no consumers, no even friends or family or anyone I could, no network locally. So it really was a cold start, kind of just the way as you've just explained in that um, hypothetical uh, question that you just asked. And um, I was skint at one point and I was out delivering pizzas, but it was always like a proper in the shadows, like, don't let anyone know I'm delivering pizzas, like, because I was doing it just to keep my head above water and feed the kids and make sure that we was looked after and the bills were paid whilst I was building my agency. Now, I think how good content, how much, how great would it be to show that before and after, like how endearing would that have made me to share that story? Like if I was a seller and a guy had just set up his own agency and I could see he was working hard night and day to provide for his family and he was out delivering pizzas and doing whatever it took, I'd want to see him do well. I'd want to get behind the little guy and, and give him a hand up. I'd probably be more inclined to give my business to him because I'd want to see him go on. And yeah. um, I kind of wish that I'd shared that now and I'd given that access rather than being, to be honest, Chris, a little bit embarrassed about it. So I think if I was to do it again, and if I was to relocate 300 miles to the north of Scotland with a phone and an internet connection, I'd be using that phone for all it was worth to capture content, to document that journey, to give those insights, to explain the story. That is the thing. People love a story. So I'd bring that story to life and I'd share that far and wide through the social media channels. What I'd do first and foremost, if I went to a random village in Scotland, I'd be getting to know, you mentioned before, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. I'd be straight on there. I'd be rounding their shops. 
I'd be interviewing them. I'd be asking them, what's the favorite cut of beef for people from this village? What's the favorite ice cream color for local residents? And, you know, interviewing all these local business owners, because one, it gets yourself out there because you've got to think, Chris, what is a local business owner? It's a local resident who has thousands of conversations with other local residents every single week. So it's almost like working more intelligently to edge your bets rather than going straight to the consumer. You go into this middle person who's got influence with the wider community so first and foremost you're going to broaden your reach but also from a point of view of building your socials and again this word's going to come up bringing people into your ecosystem you know they're going to share that onto their social media channels if you sit down and do an interview with a local butcher what's their favorite topic what's the biggest thing in their world it's them and their business so they're going to share that video and those insights onto their social media pages so if they've been around for three generations and they've got fifteen thousand followers on facebook they're going to share that they're going to tag you in it your face is going to be there and you're going to hack their audience and start funneling people over to your page for free so what better way of starting your business by a solidifying those relationships but b also creating that brand awareness so that's what i'd be doing i think is as the first few steps that i'd take if i was going to a new market with limited social proof i love that word i've never seen it like that hack their audience i've always said piggyback off their audience but it is hacking their audience. There's no other way that you can get your face straight into their audience without doing those videos. Exactly. And you're, you know, you're taking whatever you take, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour of your time to sit and talk and show genuine intrigue, by the way, asking questions and discovering more about their business. You know, it, 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 it builds that relationship. It puts you at the forefront of their minds. So, you know, if the next day Mrs. Jones comes in for a, a chicken leg, and she's saying, oh, I'm thinking about selling my house. I need to downsize. The garden's getting a bit bigger. Oh, Ben was in here yesterday. He's a great guy. He's just moved up with his, with, his, with his three kids and his dog. You might have seen him around. He's always walking his husky. Do you want me to pass on your number? Yeah, that'd be great. Like You're going to be in that conversation. You're going to be relevant. You're going to be in the mix. So I think when you go into, this is a hypothetical situation, but if you're starting from scratch in a new market or you've got a new venture that you're trying to get off the ground, speak to local people. Mm-hmm. And... I always believe, and I've said this a few times on the podcast, I saw a quote that said, you should never tell people about what your plans are. Just do it. Okay, that's great. But if you go and tell the butcher that you're planning on launching an estate agency and you tell the baker and you tell the candlestick maker, those three people will tell other people and you're getting more information out there. If you sat at home and thought, oh, no, can't tell everybody my goals. I've just got to do it. Well, what? why? Why keep it to yourself? I, th- I think it's important. I think it is important that people people know what you want sometimes. So, like one example that comes into into my mind, I was talking to Adam the other week. Uh, again, the the guy heads up our expansion at EXP, and uh, he was saying when he set up his first business, so he founded one of the first online agencies in the UK, a company called Hatched, and he said when he first set that up, his mum's boyfriend obviously wanted to help him, right? He wanted to be useful. He wanted to see him do well. He wanted to see whatever, he wanted to do whatever he could to help Adam's business venture get off to the best start. So what he started doing was introducing him to a load of buyers. He's like, oh, Derek at the pub, he's looking to buy a bungalow. And oh, Christine needs a two-bed flat. And he started connecting him with all these people, creating his, he was like, 
But dad, I need stock. Like I need properties. What I need is listings. He didn't understand that he didn't need buyers at that point. What he needed was properties. He needed to build his business. He needed to get the inventory. So once he understood, oh crap, he wants to deal. He wants he wants vendors. He wants people who are looking to sell. Then he knew how to best serve him and how to help him and who he was going to connect him with and who who he wouldn't. Um, but if he'd not said. I need vendors, not buyers, then he wouldn't have got that transition and wouldn't have got the business that he ended up getting as a result. So I think it's important that you do let people know every now and then. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> he sat at home and never told. It was his dad, so he never, he never told. Yeah, his yeah, mum's boyfriend, yeah. So, so is it like, if he'd have never told him that and sat at home and wished it, it would never have gone anywhere. So I just think exactly. it's important to tell and, and he, he would have spent the next six months saying, yeah, I've not got any bungalows. I'll give you a call if anything comes on the market. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because people have got the best of intentions, but they don't actually know what you want. And if they don't know what your motives are, how are they supposed to help you, you know? Perfect way to end it, mate. Perfect. So it's all, it's all about connecting with local people. That's the big thing at the minute, isn't it? Especially on social media. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And that that's, that's over an hour now. So we could have talked about so many other things. And I'd like to get you back on talk about um, how you can help people, how the EXP model works as well. But if you are interested, make sure you get Ben on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, have a chat to him. If you are an estate agent, you want to know how the EXP model works, get in touch. You can have a chat and let you know exactly how it works. But to say thank you, mate, for coming on, I would like to donate £10 to a charity that's close to your heart. So which charity do you want to make the donation to? Um, so these a pancreatic cancer um, charity specifically so I'll get you all the links sent over mate if that's okay and I'd really appreciate that it's definitely got a place close to my heart so that'd be amazing thank you Good. well thank you for coming on mate. I really do appreciate it. anything you want to add before we sign off not really mate just that if anyone is in well I speak a lot quite generally about business about mindset about productivity about social media if you've enjoyed the podcast then head over to we've got a podcast called the exp podcast um it's anchor.fm forward slash exp uk or you can search the exp podcast wherever you stream podcasts and uh, we've just started we've got some great guests lined up who are going to come on and, and have a chat with us and hopefully chris maybe we can get you over there one day in the near future to come and have a chat with us too um and yeah if you want to connects on social media it's uh, what ben says everywhere on instagram and on facebook i've just recently changed that i've made a pivot from my estate agency to go over to what ben says because i'm talking more about business than i am you know speaking to consumers so yeah it'd be great to connect with anyone who wants to drop a follow or a like and i'll i'll i'll, have, I'll get you back <laughs> hit him up well guys thanks very much for listening and ben thanks again for coming on mate speak to you no, soon it's been, a, been a pleasure mate thank you cheers so thank you very much for listening. If you feel this podcast brought you any value at all, I'd be extremely grateful if you could leave me a review on the podcast, little five stars, and subscribe to keep you up to date with all future episodes. We can also connect on social, so you can get me on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, all with the handle Social for Brokers. Look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you all.